is brought to you by the Home Depot and Pavestone. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. On air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are so happy to be here today to help you with your home improvement projects. So help yourself first. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Hey, we've got a great show planned for you this hour. First up, we're going to talk about spring storms. You know, they can turn everyday objects into projectiles that can do pretty serious damage to your house. So we've got some do-it-yourself inspection tips that can help you spot those small repairs before they grow into super big problems. And also ahead, you know, it's no fun dealing with high-maintenance plants that require constant pruning or suffer from pest problems. Well, we've got tips on how to select a reliable, trouble-free shrub. And are you planning to hire a pro to help you with a project this spring? If so, we've got important tips on what needs to be spelled out in your contract to make sure the job gets done right. Plus, this hour, we're giving away a fun bundle of grill accessories, including a stainless marinade injector, a digital remote thermometer, and an LED grill light. The whole pack is worth over 60 bucks. Those products are available at the Home Depot, but going out to one lucky caller drawn at random from those that reach us for today's show. So let's get to it. The number again is one eight 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 Money Pit. Michelle in Alabama, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Okay, well, we live in a home that was built in the early 70s. And two of the bedrooms, we are having like a mold issue, and it's just above the baseboards. And I've actually cut into the sheetrock thinking that maybe it's some moisture from the outside coming through, but it's not. There's no mold um, inside. It's just like in the room. And I, I don't know what's causing it or how to even fix it. And are you certain that it's mold? Have you had it tested? Well, yeah, it's um, it's like a... We had a piece of furniture there, a dresser there, and we moved it, and we were, like, totally shocked that there was, like, it was black and fuzzy. It was no, you know, it was mold. So if you had this furniture against the wall, you, you probably created sort of a a, 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 a chilly, damp area there. <clears throat> Moving the furniture out probably helps because you get a little more ventilation behind it. But what I would do is I would spray that mold down with a bleach and water solution so that we kill anything that's there. Protect the carpet because obviously you don't want to bleach out your carpet, but spray it down, let the bleach and water sit for a while, maybe 10, 15 minutes, and then clean it. And that will stop uh, That will stop any further mold from growing. And just try to keep that area dry. If it's very damp and, it's in, and you know, if the furniture was pressed up against it, that might be why it's happening. What kind of furniture was against it? Um, it was uh, really like a child's dresser. Okay, so it was like wood. It wasn't like a couch or something like that? No, it was wood. Yeah. So take a look at the back of that, too, and make sure if there's any mold spores on that, that they're cleaned as well. All right. Thanks for your help. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. All right. Now we're heading out to Washington, where Robert's got a stainless steel question. Tell us what's going on. I got these stainless steel appliances, and I've uh, started to develop small little rust spots on them. And I'm not sure what's causing that. Well, it's because not all stainless is the same. There's actually um, over 100 grades of stainless steel, and some are more prone to corrosion than others. So the fact that you have some rust on your stainless steel appliance doesn't surprise me. You know, what you're going to have to do with that is two things. First of all, you're going to have to remove the rust, which you can do with steel wool or like a Brillo pad, something like that. You really don't want to use a lot of uh, abrasion, so as little abrasion as possible. 
and then you have to coat it with a stainless steel polish. And the polish will help seal in the surface and prevent the rust from coming back as frequently. But there is a there is some degree of maintenance associated with stainless steel. And the stainless steel that's of, of poorer quality will rust more frequently. I think a lot of folks think that stainless is stainless is stainless, but it's not. There's a lot of different grades, and some is better than others. All right, well, that makes sense because it's, you know, it's all the same brand, but it's only happened on my stove and on the... Uh Michael, you know the uh, the range there, right? And right. it has it hasn't happened to the dishwasher or the refrigerator. Yeah, that's right. So that that does make sense. Okay, well, hey, thanks a lot. You're welcome, Robert. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Hopefully you're taking a little break, but maybe relaxing around your Money Pit is kind of showing you the things that you might need to be working on, and that's where we come in. We're here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at one eight 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 money pit Let us give you a hand. 888-666-3974. Up next, it's the spring season for baseball. You have a lot of kids outside tossing balls around your street. You're worried about one flying through your window. What about a branch being blown through by a storm? It could all happen. That's what we thought now is a great time to feature easy window repair tips. We'll have that next. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call with your home improvement or decor question at 888-MONEY-PIT. You'll get the answer plus an opportunity to win a great prize this hour. We're giving away from the Home Depot a grill accessories bundle. It includes the stainless marinade injector, the digital remote thermometer, and an LED grill light, all to improve your barbecue experience. They're available at the Home Depot. The package is worth $63.91, but go Going out to one lucky caller drawn at random. Why not make that you? Pick up the phone right now and call us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Now we've got Heather in Tennessee who's dealing with a flooring situation. What happened? Well, my husband and I were, uh, we have a water filter on our uh, countertop and we overfilled it one day and it leaked out onto the hardwood And while we were at work. And it's left a six by eight inch um, diameter area of bulking of our hardwood floors. Okay. You can't really see it, 
Um, but you can feel it like when you're walking over it with like socks on, it kind of snags. So I didn't know if there's anything that you could do like a, a DIY project or um, you have to have the whole floor re-sanded, re-stained. I really don't want to go through all that mess. Well, if the floor is swollen, it's kind of a one-way street and you're not going to be able to kind of get the toothpaste back in the tube. At this point, if you um, want to try to make it flat and smooth again, you do have to sand it out. Now, it might not be as terrible as a project as you think. You may not have to do the entire floor. You might just be able to uh, do a repair of that particular area. Do you happen to have the stain and the finish that was used on that floor? I don't. I don't. And I actually, another reason I'm kind of weary of it is because we got the same man that did our hardwood floors to begin with come back and put hardwood in our bedrooms, and they don't match whatsoever. Um so I'm kind of really worried. Let me ask you another question. Do you have any extra pieces of that floor anywhere? I don't. Do you have any area of the floor that's less noticeable, like in a closet or a pantry? Um, yes. Okay. You know, here's a solution for you. A good carpenter can do this. You can basically cut out some of the floor that's in the lesser visible area, cut out enough of it to be able to use to repair the area in your kitchen. Then you could cut out the bad boards throw those away, and then insert the boards that you uh, salvaged from the closet area, and then go ahead and repair that closet area with whatever is handy or whatever new you can purchase and stain it to get as close as you can. And because it's inside the closet, no one will probably ever know the, be the wiser for it, yet you'll have some boards that match exactly the damaged boards in the kitchen in order to repair that spot. How about that? Well, that sounds a whole lot better than and resanding everything. So. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Jeff in Iowa on the line who is working on a bathroom plumbing problem. What's going on? Our house was built in 1978. Still had the same toilets in it as the day it was built. So we decided to upgrade to uh, new high-efficient toilets. We bought 1.28 per gallon flush toilets with a 10 flush rating. And uh, we our toilets sit back-to-back, basically. The master ba- bedroom has a toilet that sits just behind the toilet in the main bathroom. When you flush the toilet in the main bathroom, it sucks all the water out of the master bedroom toilet. But it doesn't do it the other way. Here's the problem. You've got a venting issue, and there's not enough air getting into the waistline that's probably feeding both toilets. And so as a result, when you flush one, you cause a draw on the other that pulls the water out. A lot easier to do when you have only one and a quarter gallons of water as opposed to maybe three or four gallons that you used to have with the older toilet. So you need to get a plumber in to look at this and figure out where the venting has gone wrong. You, there, there could be venting that also became obstructed. You could get rodents or animals that, that nest inside vents. But there's not, enough, there's not enough intake air getting into the plumbing system, and that's why you're getting this sort of suction problem. Whenever you have this condition or if you get – sometimes you get a gurgling when you flush or when you run sinks and, and water goes down, is because there's not enough air getting into the plumbing system, and that's going to be what will solve this for you. Okay, Jeff? All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
Well, spring storms, including high wind, can damage your home. Now, if a branch or an airborne object, you know, like a baseball, breaks a window, it's important to clean up safely. First of all, you don't want to try to knock out the remaining glass that's in the frame. Make sure you're using safety gloves to remove the loose pieces and, of course, the pieces that have fallen out. Now, to clean up small particles of glass, you want to use several thicknesses of wet paper towels. I mean, really pile them up and get them damp and then throw them away. You'll just sort of, you know, make sure you don't drag it because you could scratch your floor, but kind of sit it on top and scoop it up. Now, cloth towels, sponges, mops, they shouldn't be used for cleanup because they can actually hold on to tiny little glass particles. And then you might hurt yourself going forward or scratch a surface. You just have to be real careful. Now, it's generally a good idea to not try to replace the glass yourself. Some windows even have insulating glass units that contain a harmless argon gas that helps in the window's energy efficiency. A replacement unit should be ordered and installed by a professional that matches perfectly the original window. For more tips on window repair, visit moneypit.com. Mark in South Carolina is on the line and needs some help defining different types of insulation. Tell us what's going on. I've put some icing in my house and then I've heard uh, someone say that closed cell was better and then I've heard that open cell was better. Could you explain to me the advantages and disadvantages of, of for my home now, um, choosing either closed cell or open cell insulation? What type of icing did you put in? Is it open cell insulation? Um, yes, it was open cell. You know, there's a lot of debate as to which one is better, and I think that both have good qualities. You know, open cell has a good insulating value. It's um, more susceptible to moisture than closed cell, but it still it still gives you the benefit of being not only an insulator but an air barrier. So it protects you against drafts that are going to try to get into the house. The other advantage of open cell is it has better sound absorption qualities. So it's a little bit of a quieter house, and it tends to be more economical to apply. So I don't think you made a bad choice, and Icenine is a good product. Okay. What would be a reason I would, would choose closed cell? That's a good question. I would say that if you were in a very high moisture area like Seaside, then you may want to consider closed cell. All right. Well, you guys have a great show. Thank you for your time and your help. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Darlene in Arkansas, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Well, we heat our house with wood, and our fireplace bricks are real cream, light cream colored, and they're very roughly textured. Uh, my question is, the soot, you know, above the fireplace doors, uh, soot gets in the brick and embedded in there, and I've tried to scrub it out with everything I can think of other than muriatic acid, and I know I can't use that in the house. Do you have any suggestions? Have you tried TSP, which stands for trisodium phosphate, and it's sort of like a cleaning prep step when you've got, you know, some some really sticky stuff that won't come off? Yeah, uh, I think I did some time back, but maybe I should use a stronger uh, solution instead of... You know, it it says not to use it 
the way it comes out of the bottle. Well, what you can do with TSP is it it comes in a powder format, and it's um, available in the clean well in the painting aisle generally of the home stores. Uh-huh. And um, I would just mix it up so that it's more of a paste than a liquid, and apply it that way, and let it sit there and give it some time to do its job. All right, that sounds great. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Charlie in Tennessee is on the line and looking to do some renovating at his money pit. How can we help you today? I have a small kitchen that I'm trying to knock out the wall to increase space uh, uh, to make my kitchen and my dining room one big room. Uh, My dilemma is the fact that I don't know whether the wall that I'm knocking down is a low-bearing wall or not. Well, step away from the project and don't knock it down just yet. Um, okay, well, first of all, what kind of house do you have, Charlie? Is it a ranch? Is it a colonial? Describe it to us. It's um, it's a wood frame home. Okay, one story or two? One story. And the roof peaks in the middle, goes up from the front, goes up from the back, peaks in the middle? Kind of, it's L-shaped. Okay. And where the, where the wall would be would be pretty much right where the two meet. Yeah, so you're in the middle there. You're not quite sure. And the dining room and the kitchen are side by side. Is it um, is it aligned front to back on the house, or is it aligned end to end, so to speak? Uh, it's, it would be that that wall would be parallel for uh, the front to back. So it's aligned front to back. Okay, I would say that that in most cases that is a bearing wall. That it doesn't mean you're dead in the water. It just means it's a little more complicated for you to open this up, because. If it's a bearing wall, you have to support the structure while it's disassembled, and then you have to put a new beam in to carry that load in the new open plan design. It's not something that you would do yourself. It's not like, I don't want you to like, hey, I've never done home improvement, but today I'm thinking about tearing on a bearing wall. Bad idea, okay? So you need to know what you're doing or get some people to help you to know what you're doing or hire a pro and get a building permit. And basically the way it works is temporary walls are built on either side of the bearing wall, and this holds up the structure that they're supposed to be holding. Then the bearing wall is taken apart. Um, the bearing wall is reconstructed, but now you would use a girder, and it could be a wood girder, it could be a metal girder, it could be a combination wood and metal girder that goes the whole span. It could be a girder that um, sits below the ceiling, or it could be a girder that's actually flush with the ceiling, so when it's all done, it's it's invisible. But one way or the other, you'll need this beam to carry the load above that. And then once it's all put it back together, you know, you're really not going to know that it's there. But you just got to do it right so that you don't damage your house in the process, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Charlie. Good luck with that project. Now put the saw down, okay? <laughs> no problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. Heather in Texas is dealing with a mold situation. Tell us what's going on. Um. Well, I have, like, black spots in my restroom and I'm not sure if that's mold and I would like to know how can you fix it. Without seeing it I can't tell you but if they're black spots it probably is mold and where are these spots? Is it on the wall? Shower curtain? Tile? Where? Ceiling? In the wall. On the wall? Do you have uh, wallpaper on the wall? No. What you might want to do is mix up a bleach and water solution about 10 to 15 percent bleach and the rest water Spray it on those spots, let it sit for a bit of time, and then wipe it down with fresh water. So if there if there is mold there, that will kill it. The reason we usually get mold in bathrooms is because they're wet and damp all the time. A couple of things that you can do there is, do you have a bath exhaust fan in this room? No. Well, you should have one. And this is one of the reasons you should have one, because it will draw air out of that room when it gets damp, especially if you hook it up to a humidistat, so it's only running when there's moisture 
in the room. If you don't have that, then the only thing that you can do is just get into the practice of wiping down walls or, or using a squeegee to wipe most of the water off the, the bath, shower walls, that sort of thing, every single time and leaving the door open. But if you don't have a bath exhaust fan, you're always going to be fighting this. When you do repaint next time, make sure you use a paint that has a mildicide built into it because that can also further reduce the chance of, of developing mold. Okay, Heather? Okay, thank you. All right, thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Just ahead, you might not think of shrubs as the most glamorous plants around, but the fact is shrubs are the backbone of your landscape design. Roger Cook from This Old House is here with tips on how to select the best shrubs for your yard. So stick around. Hi, I'm Adam Carolla. I've built hundreds of houses. I can tell you how to avoid falling into that Money Pit. Listen to Money Pit Radio with Tom and Leslie. On the Money Pit Radio Show. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement or decor questions at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Now we've got Norma from Delaware on the line who wants to know what size pipes you need to get good pressure in the bathroom. Norma, that sounds like a personal question. What's going on at your Money Pit? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to install a shower panel. Okay. And I, in order to get, you know, good the right pressure... Right. How long, how how big do the pipes need to be? You said you want to install a shower panel. So is this one of these units where it comes in and then fans out to multiple spray heads? Yeah, the the jets, right. How's your water pressure right now? Pretty good. Yeah. Well, my house is about uh, eight years old. 
if it's only eight years old and you have pretty good water pressure, you should be okay with this. I will say, though, that the water pressure coming out of multiple shower heads is not going to be as invigorating as coming out of a single shower head. So it's going to give you good coverage, but it may not be as uh, as strong. And I don't think there's much that you can do about that. If you've got normal street pressure, that's how those shower panel units are designed to work. But just be mindful that it's it's not likely to be as strong when it's going to come out of multiple heads because you basically just need more water to do that. Oh, okay. Well, you know, um, I inquired with the builder, and he told me that from from the basement to the shower floor, I have three quarter pipes, and then from the from the floor to the shower head, half an inch. And that's typical. That's typical. So you know that that doesn't change anything. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you so much for your help. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, when you think of shrubs, you might not think of them as the most glamorous plants around, but the fact is that shrubs are the backbone of your landscape design. Yep, but although there are hundreds of shrubs available, you need to make the right choice so they thrive in your local environment. Here to talk us through some great options is this old house landscaping expert, Roger Cook. Hey, Roger. Hey, how are you doing? So it's no fun dealing with high-maintenance plants that require constant pruning or suffer from pest problems. So how do you select sort of a reliable, trouble-free shrub? Well, we're always preaching get the right plant for the right space. Sometimes all our maintenance problems are caused by us putting the plant too close (laughs) to the house or a plant that gets too big. I can't tell you how many houses I've seen with hemlocks, which want to get 60 feet tall, planted next to the front door. So it really is just like real estate, location, location, location. <laughs> that's true. You know, if you've got a small area, buy a dwarf plant. If you've got something that's high and skinny, get something that's going to grow up conical so you're not fighting it all the time. And it's probably most important to also that you know, make sure that you're buying a plant that's right for your climate and your zone. I feel like I always want to put a hibiscus right in front of my house, but I live in New York. That's probably not the best idea. Yeah, unless you have a greenhouse for the winter, you're going to have trouble. No, it's it's an investment. Your plants are an investment, so you want to invest in the right one. You don't want to put in, like you said, a hibiscus and have it die or have to dig it up and move it to a greenhouse and then bring it back. It comes back to my right plant, right place. If you put the right plant in there, it'll do well. Now, let's you mentioned your zone. There's something called the USDA plant hardiness zone map. Is that going to be the key here? Is that going to be the treasure map that points us in the right direction? That's what we all start with so that I know I can't plant something here in Florida and expect it to thrive. I can't take a plant from here and go to Alaska and expect it to survive. So if you go to your local garden center, Every plant should have what zone it is on the tag of the plant. Now, you said something to me interesting, very interesting, a couple of years back when you and I were doing some coverage of the Sandy disaster in New Jersey. We were out on one of the islands, and you noticed that all the plants that were natural to the island stayed behind and took that torrent of water. But all the plants that were transplanted died. It's living proof of what we're we're talking about. Yes, they may have been dinged up and covered with sand, but they all came back. Now, what about soil type? I feel like soil plays such a, you know, a big role in how well everything is going to thrive. And, you know, even before, I, I have terrible success in the garden. And so I would plant things by just digging a hole, putting something in, end of story. Once I learned to cultivate the soil and add things in and make sure that the soil was properly prepped, 
things started to thrive. So if you're like me, how do you know where to start to make the soil ready? The first thing I would do is test the soil. And that starts off by sending a sample out to your local extension service. Now, they'll not only tell you the pHs of the soil, but they'll tell you a lot of different things like how much organic matter, pH, nitrogen, and all those things. Now you can add something which they will tell you exactly how much to add to the soil and turn it in. And now you have a great medium for the plants to grow in. That's essentially going to give you the recipe to get that soil just right so that when you put your shrub in, you can be assured that it's going to grow as expected. And it's an investment. You want it to grow well. Now, if you do have that perfect shrub in your garden and it's growing well, what's the most important thing to know about maintaining it? Hopefully, you'll have to do a minimum of maintaining once they're acclimated to the site. And so to get them acclimated over a year or two, you need to keep watering them. Not every day, not every other day, but once or twice a week, a good soaking. Don't keep them wet all the time. Let the water drain out and then water them again. Roger, I think this is where people get really confused is to prune or not to prune and how much and when. I mean, I I certainly don't know how to do it. Well, the answer to the question is there is no one time to prune everything. They all flower at different times, and you don't want to be cutting off the flowers that are coming for the next year. So I tell people the best time to prune is the day after the flowers turn brown, and that way there you'll be able to prune the shrub, and you'll still have flowers the following year. Roger Cook, the landscaping contractor from TV's This Old House. Thank you so much for being a part of the Money Pit. Always happy to be here and talk about shrubs. All right. You can catch the current season of This Old House and ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And Ask This Old House is brought to you on PBS by Gorilla Glue for the toughest jobs on planet Earth. Still to come, when dealing with contractors this spring, you need to make sure you get everything in writing. Find out exactly what needs to be spelled out after this. You live in a body pit. Money Pit is brought to you by QuickCrete. It's what America's made of. For project help from start to finish, download the new QuickCrete mobile app. Where home solutions live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. I mean, it's Memorial Day weekend. You're probably barbecuing right now as we speak. So, boy, do we have a great prize up for grabs this hour. We've got the Home Depot Spring Promo Grill Accessories Bundle. Now, in this bundle, you're going to find a stainless steel marinade injector, because who doesn't want to inject marinade into whatever it is you're barbecuing for that extra special tastiness? A digital remote thermometer and an LED grill light so no more barbecuing by the light of your smartphone (laughs) or you know poorly lit backyards we've got a great prize up for grabs it's again from the Home Depot it's valued at $63.91 but it's going out to one lucky caller drawn at random this hour so give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT 888-666-3974 I could really use that stainless marinade injector you're right I mean who couldn't improve their steak with that I mean you could please chicken breast all kinds of wonderful things. It really does get the flavor like to the parts that you never get it to. So forget about having dry chicken breast. It's going to be awesome. All right, enough of that. I'm getting hungry. Now we've got Todd in Mississippi on the line who's got a wood floor that was installed after Katrina. So what is that, like seven years ago? And it's starting to buckle. Welcome, Todd. How can we help you? Hey, yes, uh, that's exactly right. I had a, a hardwood floor installed in my home after Katrina. My home was flooded by Katrina, so we had it was completely gutted. 
and, uh, and my home is on a concrete slab, and we actually had professionals come in and install the hardwood floors uh, after Katrina. Probably it was probably about a actually it's probably uh, close to a year after Katrina had uh, hit. And so, but anyway, we had moved into the house after the well after the flooring had been installed. Probably in November of '06, we had moved in and started you know living in the house. And about a year into it, after moving back into the house, the floors just started buckling in, in several different places. And I uh, was unsure why it was doing that. So this is solid hardwood that was installed on top of a concrete slab? It's engineered hardwood. It's over a concrete slab. And, of course, before they installed it over the slab, they had put down, they had used the Bostick's Best uh, you know, adhesive and uh, put all of that down, and it's supposed to have the moisture barrier and what have you built into the adhesive. But after a year of probably, you know, living in the house, we noticed uh, different areas that started buckling. Uh, actually, some were, were worse than others, and it's, it's just only gotten worse. Do we know that this is swelling and not any movement of the floor that's causing this? I, I think it's just swelling. Uh, I don't I don't think there's any moving of the floor. I mean, every, in most areas, it seems pretty intact and tight. And uh, a friend of mine had you know, said, well, maybe they didn't leave enough space in between the walls. And, you know, we checked that, and, of course, there's enough gap in between the walls, uh, you know, for, you know, natural expansion and what have you with, the, you know, levels of humidity. But it's, it's actually, you know, buckled in, in quite a few places. In some areas, I mean, you almost trip over just buckled so bad. Yeah, and I'm surprised to hear that because engineered hardwood is supposed to be dimensionally stable. It's not supposed to do what it's doing. Did you, uh, by any chance, reach out to the manufacturer for any suggestions as to why this might be happening? Uh, no, no, I have, I have not. Actually, I, I have not done that, and uh, I didn't know if I should reach out to them. Or, or also, I didn't know as far as on the on the Bostics best because it was supposed to have the built-in moisture barrier as well, and so I didn't really know who to reach out to. But uh. I would start with the floor manufacturer. But look, the answer I'm going to give you is the answer you don't want to hear, and that is it's not repairable. This is a situation where you're going to have to cut the floor out and start again. Okay, well. Not necessarily the news I wanted to hear, but I mean, I can I can start there, and I can, like I said, I can get with the manufacturer and, and check on that. Well, if you're getting ready to hire a contractor, make sure you get job details in writing. You know, when you make an oral contract, you risk disputes later. So when you do make the contract, you want to consider the following. The work that has to be done, make sure you spell it out. Payment schedules, you need to get proof of the contractor's insurance and license and a project guarantee. Yeah, and also you want to make sure you know which materials are warranted and what subcontractors are going to be working on your home. And you also want to make provisions in your deal for change orders. Now, sometimes when the project is underway, you're going to realize that you'd like a window added or a different appliance installed. Just remember that before you sign on the bottom line, you want to run through your checklist. Yeah, and you can't overemphasize the importance of those change orders because it's so easy to agree to a change in the midst of all the chaos that can be a remodeling project, but you want to get in writing and you need to spell out whether it's going to result in an additional charge or a credit to your original contractor. Get all that information in writing and you will have a much happier result. If you'd like more information, head on over to our website and search Money Pit Contract Essentials. Roger in Alabama, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Uh, I have a problem with a door. It's a storm door. And when I originally installed it, everything looked looked perfect on it. And now there is a large gap at the bottom and a small gap at the top, and and the latch doesn't really want to hold anymore. And uh, I put levels on it, and everything looks like it's supposed to be, but it's not. And I'm at a standstill trying to figure out how to fix it outside of knocking my... uh, 
post out of alignment. Okay, so it sounds like the door is out of alignment, and it's not square. It got a situation where the jam probably has to go up or down. So, for example, if you were to take the jam and move it down, then the outside edge of the door will move up. If you were to take the jam and move it up, the outside edge of the door would move down. So it sounds like something is not in alignment. Storm doors can be tricky because every side of the jam is applied separately. But what I might do is I might leave the jam side attached, then try to reset the other uh, two pieces of the door. In terms of the gap at the bottom, if you can't close that, just add a weather strip to the outside of the door. You know, you can pick up a, a door sweep that has a, sort of a metal flange with uh, with a uh, like a broom like bristle edge at the bottom. That uh, works very well. We use it on exterior doors all the time, and that will stop drafts from coming through it. But it sounds like the door is out of alignment. What you've described with uneven gaps and a latch doesn't work means that the door is simply not square in the opening. Okay. I, I think I got an idea of what I can do with it now. All right, great. Roger, hope that helps. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Up next, we're going to head over to North Carolina where somebody's got a stinky laundry room. We're going to help her hunt down that foul odor next. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Love to hear your questions at one eight 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 Money Pit, but also receive them on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash the Money Pit or at Money Pit on Twitter. And that's how Pat and Macon, North Carolina reached us. And she has quite a smelly problem, Leslie. Yep, Pat writes, I have a rotten egg smell in my laundry room. You smell it when the water is running into the washing machine or into the laundry room sink. Any idea what is going on? Well, typically that is a sulfur odor that most people associate with that rotten egg smell. And it often happens when the uh, anode rod in the water heater itself uh, becomes deteriorated. And as a result, it should be replaced. Now, Sometimes replacing that anode rod is easy, and sometimes it's almost impossible. If you look at a water heater, you'll notice at the top, in addition to the supply and return pipe, uh, you'll see what looks like a big nut that's sort of flush with the top of the water heater. That is how you access the rod, and you basically put a big wrench on that and try to unscrew that nut. The problem is that sometimes it gets locked into the machine. So if it's an older water heater, you're almost always better off replacing it because, Look, if I had a, I don't know, a, a, an eight or a ten-year-old water heater or older, I'm not going to spend the money on an anode rod. I'd just go ahead and replace it because chances are I'd replace the rod, and you know what? A year, two, three years later, the thing would leak, no doubt. So I would definitely just replace the water heater at that point. But if it's a younger water heater, you should be able to replace that anode rod, and that will most likely deal uh, with that sulfur odor. The other thing to check is because you mentioned this is a, a laundry room uh, and also in a in a basement area, you might want to make sure that the drain has a trap in it because you may be getting some sewage gas that backs up into that space. And sometimes when those laundry rooms are added sort of after the fact, uh, folks will put leave the trap off or not put a proper trap in. So two things to check, uh, either of which I think could be causing uh, your odor, Pat. Yeah, I mean, definitely both do cause a stinky situation. So both good places to investigate. And Tom's right about replacing the water heater. You know, generally, they're only going to give you about a 10-year lifespan. So if you're near there, as Tom mentioned, think about the efficiency benefits that you're going to get as well. Definitely an option. 
All right, next up, we've got a post here from Debbie in North Andover, Massachusetts, who writes, what is the best way to get dark stains off composite decking? That's a very common problem with composite, especially on shady sides of your house. Now, the most natural algicide or mildicide is sunlight. So anything that you can do to bring additional sunlight into that, under that side of the house uh, will reduce the amount of algae or moss that grows. In terms of sort of cleaning it, if you've really got a stain on it and therefore it's not an active buildup, it's just a stain, what I would do is I would use some oxygenated bleach. That has a really good cleaning power. You mix that up, apply it to the deck, let it sit for for 10 or 15 minutes, keep it wet to let it dry, uh, scrub it in with a scrub brush and see if that sort of releases that stain. Now, if you've got uh, algae or mildew or moss that form on an ongoing basis, you might want to try a product called spray and forget very effective you you apply it to the deck and basically it reacts with sunlight to start to attack the uh, the, the moss and the algae that's forming on that deck and does a great job of keeping it clean for the long haul yeah and you know what those decks really do last a long time the composite decking so you want to make sure that you take good care of it give it a good cleaning every season but that's really all you're going to have to do This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. We so hope that you guys are having a great weekend in your part of the country. And we give you our permission to take this weekend off of home improvement projects. But remember, next weekend, it's back to the tools. We hope we've given you some tips, some advice, some guidance to make those projects easy and affordable around your home. Remember, we are available on Facebook and also on Twitter to help you 24-7 at 888-MONEY-PIT. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.